0: This is Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International as well as Eagle Saving Nations. Please go to my website, worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org. You know, we've been doing a series because this is the Feast of Tabernacles season. First one was Trumpets. Second one was Atonement. Now, Tabernacles. And so if you haven't seen the first two, you need to look at them. You can either watch them on television, listen on radio, go to my website, worldministries.org. Worldministries.org, if you don't get our channels in your area, and you can watch or listen to it right there on our website. We're on seven days a week. Now, I'll just summarize it real quick, and we go into today's teaching. There's spring feasts. Now, all of these feasts have to do with the Messiah. We know him as Jesus, and so the first four have been fulfilled Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. Passover, Jesus, His blood. We now, our sins are forgiven, judgment is passed over us. Unleavened bread, dealing with sin. First fruits, the resurrection. Jesus broke the laws of sin and death, rose from the grave. Now we can have eternal life. And Pentecost, the power of God. That's what Eagle Saving Nations are all about. We got to get back to the power of God because Jesus commanded it. He told his disciples, don't even try to represent me. Don't try to do ministry until you're baptized in my Holy Spirit. And today, a lot of the church totally rejects that and that's why they're dysfunctional, powerless. We've got to get back to the power of God so we can walk Live and breathe. Do what Jesus did when he walked on earth. The fall feast, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. We learned that trumpets, you know, the trumpet of the Lord, eschatology, you read it in the book of Revelation. The voice of God, the might of God, spiritual warfare, atonement, the only time that they were commanded to fast and pray. Sin, trials, healing, and deliverance. We go through these things uh, because we're born in the flesh. Because of Adam, when we're born, we start to die. But God gave us now the strength to go through the trials with victory. And when we die, we have eternal life. And tabernacles, the fulfillment of the return of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. The last feast that God gave the Hebrews to observe was the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles. Also called the Feast of Ingathering. You know, God is going to ingather us. The dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Amen? The ingathering. Because it was at the end of the harvest season, the Feast of Booths. Because the Hebrews slept in booths or shelters during the feast. Exodus 23.16, Deuteronomy 16.16. Again, the end of the harvest season. This is about the end of the church age. Jesus is going to come back. He is going to ingather those that know him. And uh, feast the booths, because the Hebrews slept in booths or shelters during the feast. We're going to get into that. I know here at World Ministries International, year, years ago, we had seven days, eight days where we slept in tents. And uh, just to give us a little idea what the people had to go through wandering in the wilderness. And it helped us to understand a little bit of their life. And then appreciate the luxury all of us live in. Because we do live in luxury. None of us are living in the wilderness for 40 years. So the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the final ingathering of the harvest of God. The harvest of God. The souls that are going to be coming into his storehouse. And God blessed the people that came in. So the in-gathering, you know, we we bless God for what he's doing and they bless God for, again, the harvest they reaped. Now the fruit of the land had been reaped so the people could now rest from their laborers. And, uh, you know, we are going to have rest. We can experience rest now if you're a tabernacle Christian. I'm going to discuss that in a moment. Are we a tabernacle Christian? Do we know how to rest in the Lord? Therefore, it was a time of great rejoicing. It was such a joyous occasion that the Jews said the person who had not been to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles just did not know what rejoicing really meant. And like uh, Sharon shared, you know, they know how to rejoice. They know how to sing. And uh, such a beautiful thing. We're talking about the Hebrews, the Jews in Israel. Because of the Feast of Tabernacles was the last of the seven feasts, it completed the religious season. The number seven in the Bible represents completion. We learn from that that the Feast of Tabernacles represents the completed, finished work of God in both this present age and in which we live as well as the lives of individual christians the completed work of god the more sanctified we are the more completed we are in the lord the more in the image of god we are aren't we and the more we learn to rest in him because again stress kills we talked about that earlier i've talked about it over the years if we learn to rest in god we have less problems within our bodies our emotional our emotions you know our mind we need to learn to rest in him Again, the Feast of Tabernacles represents the completed or finished work of God. Thus it corresponds to the seventh step in our walk with God to reach spiritual maturity and rest in our souls. What are the souls? Will, mind, and emotions, right? Our soul, our will, mind, emotions. Our emotions, doctors say some of them, psychosomatic diseases, contribute up to 100% of our diseases. That's our emotions. Can we control our emotions? How well we control them depends, you know, where we're at in our journey with the Lord. Again, are we a tabernacle Christian that can actually rest in God in the middle of a storm? Now, that's what the Lord wants. This is not the same as sinless perfection. We never will achieve this until Jesus returns. We're not going to be perfect, in other words, sinless. But we can be under the blood. Grace can be there. So when we sin, get angry, whatever, you know, God doesn't hold it against us. Grace is there. And we're supposed to give grace one to another. Amen? This is what it's all about, giving grace one to another. I'll tell you what, relationships cannot be sustained if you don't give each other grace. Grace, grace, grace. Just always remember how much grace God has given you. A lot. He never fails. It's unconditional. And that's what we should be with other people, grace. It is, however, a level of maturity to which we can grow. We can grow in this grace. Whereby we have learned to rest in God for who he is and be content in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in whatever circumstances you know Jesus again one of the most famous illustrations we can give is Jesus in the boat the raging sea the disciples going nuts and Jesus uh, finally they woke him up and he says hey what's wrong guys haven't you watched me God is in control peace be still and you know we have much more authority than we realize and this is again the need reason why we have eagle-saving nations, what we want to do is, again, let the power of God, hey, be still. We want to move with that authority. Again, look at my website, worldministries.org. worldministries.org. The apostle Paul recognized this condition in his own life. He was not perfect, but he had matured to a place of able to rest in God. Just think about Paul, everything he went through. I used to still do. Uh, I would say that Paul was my favorite apostle. Why? Because he went through so much, but he continued to persevere. He did not turn his back. I mean, what a beautiful example of somebody going through so many trials, but yet resting in God. Literally resting in God. Knowing he's going to be beheaded, and he says, Hey, I commit to you my soul. He went headlong to Rome knowing he'd be killed. It was prophesied. Other prophets warned him. But he wanted to do the will of God. He knew how to rest in God's will. See, that's the most beautiful thing we can do. Can we rest in God's will? He wrote of this work of God in his life to the Philippians and said, not that I have already attained. No, none of us have, have we? Or am I already perfected, but I press on okay we press on don't we we're supposed to press on that i may hold on that for what christ has also laid hold of me brethren i do not count myself to be apprehended but one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead this is critical we forget the past past failures, whatever, and look to the future. Now, we need to do it for ourselves so the devil doesn't condemn us. We need to do it with other people. Forget the things in the past that they've done wrong. Forget it. I don't care if they've done it a thousand times. Forget it. This is what grace is all about. If you want to reach people to the Lord, if you want to help people, you got to continue give them grace. Grace, grace, grace. grace. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a beautiful, 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 beautiful testimony. Philippians three twelve through 14 as well as four, eleven 11 through 13. You know, this is what God wants of, of us, right? Yes. I know how to do it both ways to be poor, to be rich. Let's look at the instructions God gave the Jews concerning the Feast of Tabernacles. Leviticus says Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made of fire to the Lord, and on the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It's a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work. Leviticus twenty-three thirty-three 33-36. Fire, fire comes down upon us. The fire of God, the Holy Spirit. Elijah, fire came down. Again. The Feast of Pentecost. Fire. God wants us to move with his power. Then he repeats the command and gives further instructions. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the Feast of the Lord for seven days. And on the first Sabbath... Shall be a Sabbath rest, and in the eighth shall be a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of the beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, leafy trees, willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever to your generation. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths that are your generations, that we may know that I have made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am your God." verses 39 through 43. Also see Numbers 29 for description of the sacrifices that were offered to the Lord. We're supposed to give our life as a sacrifice. Again, native Israelites, we did it because we're grafted in and we wanted just to experience some of the things that they went through in the wilderness. So we did this. We celebrated it in this faction where we lived in booths or tents. It wasn't a command to us, but um, we did it. I believe we're grafted in and we need to understand. Now, we understand the fullness of these holidays where others that don't know the Lord in Israel do not, but they will one day. So the Feast of Tabernacles had two aspects associated with it. First, it looked back to the 40 years when the Jews wandered in the wilderness, living in shelters and tabernacles. You know, they went in the desert for 40 years. Now, you know, every one of us, maybe likes to drive through the desert, but I don't think you'd want to live there, not 40 years, not in booths. They were always to be reminded that the wanderings of their forefathers were brought about by unbelief and disobedience, but they were only temporary. Yet these wanderings, during it, God was in their midst providing for their every need and eventually brought them into the land of rest that he had promised them. Okay. Okay. God doesn't want us to have to wander, but some of us wander longer than we need to for the same reason, unbelief, disobedience, amen? I know people, you know people, quite stubborn, and uh, uh, they're they're wandering still in their own wilderness, not totally uh, into the promised land. And they've got to get to the point where, instead of unbelief and disobedience, they want to do it God's way, God's way, God's way, amen? As an instant constant reminder of all this god commanded the hebrews to build booths or shelters to live during this feast so every year at the feast of tabernacles the hebrews would gather the necessary wooden branches to build a shelter in which they would live during the feast but during the feast of tabernacles also had a forward look the shelter was loosely constructed so that the hebrews could see through its roof into heaven you know we're supposed to be pilgrims passing through right We're not here forever, so focus on that. Live your life knowing that we will leave. And what you want to leave, you want to build up treasures in heaven more than treasures on earth. Realize that. We are passing through this life. We are pilgrims. This is not our final reward. The final rest was the hope of their ancestor Abraham. The writer of Hebrews referred to this and said, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to a place and go out of a place which he was to receive an inheritance. Then he went out not knowing where he was going. This is, can we be led one step at a time? You know, I've, during my life, I've never seen the whole picture. I'm led one step at a time. I never knew what I'd be doing today 30 years ago, but I'm, I'm doing it today. I never knew I would have a son, but I have a son. We are led one step at a time. So, you know, this is where you got to learn to rest in God. He's in control. What do you want me to do, God? And be just at rest as he leads you one step at a time. Look at all the victories they had in the desert for 40 years. They didn't know that at the beginning. But as they followed the pillar and the fire that God led for direction, they saw victory and victory and victory and victory. Yes. They did not know the Red Sea would depart, but as they led one step at a time and followed Moses, they saw it then. And this is something we need to learn to do one step at a time. One step at a time. Again, it they, they was loosely constructed so they could see through it into the heavens. And we need to keep heaven in our minds, in our sight. By faith they journeyed, and Abraham journeyed into the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city which has foundations, which builder and maker is God, Hebrews eleven eight 8 through 10. Wow. Let's look at Jesus a little bit, how he's fulfilled This, Jesus Christ is the tabernacle or dwelling place of God. He is our dwelling place. Sharon, you came back from Israel during the war. You just got back, but you had peace because you knew the Messiah. You knew Jesus. So he was your dwelling place. And you could sleep at night. In him dwells all the fullness of God, John 1.14, Colossians 2.9. And God dwells in our midst through Jesus Christ, Matthew 18.20 jesus was ultimately fulfilled the feast of tabernacles at his second coming when he returns now we're looking forward to his return the book of revelation he will ultimately fulfill it totally he'll be with us see this is where the feast of tabernacles trumpets atonement tabernacles is the last three feasts to be totally fulfilled and they will be when jesus now returns We're getting ready to enter into that time of the trumpets. The trumpets will blow, atonement, and tabernacles. There will be literal rest for planet Earth and all its inhabitants when he comes back. He removes evil governments. He puts in righteous leaders. There will finally be rest. Right now, everybody's concerned what tomorrow might bring because it's uncertain. He is coming. He's going to set this chaos into order. We're going to see rest. Praise the Lord. I'm so happy. Things are upside down now, but they're not going to be forever. He is coming to put it back into order. What used to be right will be right again. What was wrong will be wrong again. He's coming to bring order out of chaos. We can no rest for our souls. On one occasion, Jesus said, come to me, all you that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lonely in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Again, will, mind, and emotions. That is what controls us, our emotions or emotions. Can we control our emotions? You'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Okay? God, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, is our rest. Jesus doesn't give us life. He is our life. He doesn't give us health, he is our health. He doesn't give us the fruit of the Holy Spirit, he is the fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are simply manifestations of his own life. If you know Jesus, you move in these areas. Or you can, it's there, it's available. Many Christians never enter God's rest because they're seeking things from Jesus rather than Jesus. Jesus. Think about that statement. They seek blessings rather than the blesser. Jesus doesn't give us blessings. He himself is our blessing. Mm -hmm. He is all we could ever want, need, or hope for. He is our rest. His rest is available for us when we allow him to fully dwell in our midst as Lord and master Mm -hmm. of our soul. We can have rest. This becomes a reality to us by the Holy Spirit through whom the life of Christ flows through us, to us, and through us. The Holy Spirit. Two Jewish rituals associated with the Feast of Tabernacles dramatically illustrated the difference between seeking things from God rather than seeking God. The first was the ritual of pouring water. This took place on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. This day was called in Hebrew... Hoshana Rabba, which means day of great Hosanna. This Hebrew phrase translates into English as the word save now. The day of the great Hosanna was the day in which the Jews would pray particularly for God's salvation through the Messiah. The ritual of the pouring of water had both physical and spiritual significance. The rainy season was about to begin and the Jews needed the rain to soften the ground. For plowing, in view of this, they made a special thanksgiving offering to God for rain that he was going to send. The spiritual significance, as mentioned, pointed to the coming of the Messiah who would give them living waters of his Holy Spirit. Living waters. Remember, who drinks of me will never run dry. As part of the ritual proceeded, a certain priest would draw water from the pool of Siloam. With a golden pitcher, he would then come to the altar of the temple, where the high priest would take the pitcher, pour the water into the basin at the foot of the altar. As this was taking place, the priests blew their trumpets. The Levites, with all the people, waved palm branches while singing from Psalms 113-118. through 118. About the same time water was being poured, they were singing, Save Now! I pray, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Psalms 118, 25 through 26. So this was the most joyous day. The end gathering. The, you know, we are fighting our fight on earth. We're in a spiritual battle. But the end gathering, when we join our Lord and our Savior, it'll be the most joyous day in our memory, our history. When we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'll tell you what, you know, I eat a lot of good food. All of you cook good food, all you ladies. I'm not going to mention the men, but all you ladies cook good food. I know I'm going to have curry at Karen's house today. Good food. But believe me, the marriage supper of the Lamb, oh my goodness, my goodness, I don't know if we can describe it. Amen? Celebration! The best day of the year. The best time, a time of celebration. And that's what's going to happen when the Lord returns and defeats the enemies of the church. Removes evil governments, it will be the best day when we're ruling and reigning with our Messiah. Most joyous day. Jesus was there to keep the feast in obedience to the law. Just as the fervor of celebration reaches its peak, at the pouring of the water, Jesus makes a bold declaration. John was an eyewitness to it and wrote, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this is he who spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 37-39 Only through Jesus Christ can we have living waters can we thirst no more now again he's given us the holy spirit to be with us so we never run dry the other ritual was the lighting of the temple tens of thousands of pilgrims come to jerusalem to keep the feast crowded into the temple each one carrying a lighted torch the entire city was illuminated for miles see we're supposed to be that lighted torch illuminating america illuminating the other nations amen We're supposed to bring light to them. The entire city had light for miles. This too had a physical and spiritual significance. Plenty of sunshine was needed along the way. With the rain, to have successful agricultural season. You make sun, you need rain. If you've ever grown crops, you need them both. Sun, rain, sun, rain. The Jews thank God for the sun. That was necessary for the life of the harvest. They also acknowledged that God himself was a true light. Psalms 27.1, who would give the spiritual life through the Messiah. It was during this occasion that Jesus made another bold statement that most assuredly got their attention. John records it. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 8, 12. At both of these special festival events, Jesus proclaimed a clear and powerful way that he, that he was the light of the world. He pointed it out to himself. He had come to satisfy their spiritual thirst and give them spiritual life. Ladies and gentlemen, You can have this spiritual life. Your thirst, you can finally find the meaning for life. You don't have to have a void in your life anymore. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is the whole meaning of tabernacles, and he's returning very soon. Just tell him right now, you want to follow him as Lord and Savior. My phone number is 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. My website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. If you agree with this, send us your best love offering. Join Eagle Saving Nations. God bless you.